National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. Happy New Year! Catholics are entering a new liturgical year as we come into the first week of Advent. Joining us today on Register Radio to usher in this new year is Scripture scholar John Bergsma. His collection of books on the Word of the Lord can help us deepen our understanding of the cycle of readings we hear at Sunday Mass every week. Then Matthew Bunsen and I explore new saint causes for three American women in an editor's corner. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief and Executive Director of the National Catholic Register. I'm your host here on Register Radio. I'm joined by my co-host, DWTN News' Executive Editor, Matthew Bunsen. So, Matthew, today we have with us uh, Dr. John Bergsman. Both of us know uh, his work well, um, not only because he's written in our pages, but I think because both of us um, follow the work of the St. Paul Center, um, a, a great place in, in Steubenville, Ohio, that has just put out a wonderful amount of, uh, of catechetical material, especially on the scripture. So John is a professor of theology at Franciscan University of Steubenville. He's a foreman former Protestant pastor, and he's authored several books on scripture. He and his wife, Dawn, reside with their eight children in Steubenville, as I mentioned. So, John, welcome back to Register Radio. Great to be with you, Jeanette and Matthew. Real privilege. So, this new book um, is a, uh, an important one on uh, the scriptures of the Mass, right? So, it follows... Uh, the liturgical year, as I said, we're entering a new year. This is year A, and so this new book is titled The Word of the Lord, Reflections on the Sunday Mass Readings for Year A. But let me go back a minute here, because I talked about, an, I said, Happy New Year, right? It's a new liturgical year. John, really, what should that mean for us as Catholics? You know, it should mean excitement, because we know that, uh, you know, the civil year is established by the government, but the liturgical year is established by the Church. <laughs> the, the government's going to fade away and is not eternal, but the Church is eternal. So real time is liturgical time, and we're beginning Advent. Um, we're starting, starting once more to journey through the life of Jesus in the coming year. That's what we do every year as Catholics, journey through the life of Jesus, um, through his personal life, and then through his mystical life, which is through his body, which is the Church. And so that includes the lives of the saints and uh, so many other features of salvation history. So it's exciting. We're getting ready um, to really spiritually put ourselves back in the place of ancient Israel and relive those centuries of waiting for the Messiah to be born. And that's the excitement of Advent for us. John, so I mentioned that this is a collection um, of, of books. This is the, the third one. It's actually A. Uh, I think you might have started with B and then went to C, and now here we are with A, um, of the liturgical readings. It follows the Catholic lectionary. But wh who is your audience? I mean, quite naturally, I would imagine priests who have to give a homily would really appreciate a book like that. But is it, is it for Matthew and me, too? <laughs> I actually wrote it, Jeanette, for lay people um, to help folks get deeper into the Scriptures, very mass, because I noticed, you know, as a convert from Protestantism, I was just amazed 
by the lectionary when I first encountered it and how rich it was. And, you know, we have four readings every Sunday. We have the first reading, we have a psalm, we have a second reading, and then the gospel. So it's really four all told. And each one is so carefully chosen, and there's so much richness, there's so much spiritual and theological depth in each of the readings, and then you throw them all in the same pot, mix them together, and you get these amazing flavors. And it's just mm-hmm. like nothing I ever experienced as a Protestant. So, of course, you know, our, our, our priests just have 10, you know, in some parts of the country, maybe at best 20 minutes, if their congregation will allow them. Uh, to expound on the scriptures at Mass, but it always leaves a lot on the field when Mass is done, so much meaning and richness that we don't get to explore. So I, I actually wrote the book, Jeanette, for lay people to come home from Mass and and crack it open maybe after lunch and, and go back and revisit those readings and uh, kind of suck the, the juice out of them, or possibly uh, as a Saturday night, you know, preparation exercise for Sunday the next day to look over what the readings are so that we can really get more out of Mass and understand what God is telling us on every Sunday. It sounds like a hearty meal. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah, very much so. Well, you uh, uh, focused on Year B, as we mentioned, uh, and in a commentary for the Registry, you actually warned that Year B was filled with this sense of urgency. Talk about year A readings, uh, but also talk a little bit about, if you can, the logic of the structure of the readings. Uh, A lot of people don't necessarily pick up the significance of why we have the structure that we do in the Liturgy of the Word. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the beautiful gifts of Vatican II was to restructure the lectionary and um, give us about 400% more Scripture uh, to meditate on uh, using a three-year cycle rather than a one-year cycle. So the way we do this, um, of course, is that year A is for Matthew, year B is Mark, year C is Luke. So every three years we journey through one of these three Gospels. These are called the Synoptic Gospels because they all tell the story of our Lord's uh, life and ministry in a similar way. And folks may, understand, may wonder, you know, why not a fourth year in St. John? And that's because there's heavy doses of St. John in every year, um, especially uh, during Lent, um, and then on certain feast days as well. So we always get a strong dose of John, and then over this three-year cycle, we get to know Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke. So we're heading up here on year A, which is Matthew, the first gospel. Just an amazing, uh, amazing gospel as I restudied it for the release of this book. I just came to a renewed appreciation for how much we're indebted to St. Matthew. If it wasn't for St. Matthew, we wouldn't know about the Magi, and we wouldn't have Epiphany. Uh, if we didn't have St. Matthew, we wouldn't have um, the account of the birth of our Lord through the eyes of St. Joseph with his dreams and taking the Holy Family down to Egypt. We would be lacking the Sermon on the Mount. We wouldn't have the Great Commission of um, our Lord saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, go therefore make disciples of all nations, etc. That incredible conclusion to this gospel. And there's so many other parables as well. Uh, Matthew just has given us, uh, um, perhaps, some. many argue it's, it's the best organized and most systematic of the gospels, and we would be just impoverished if we didn't have it. 
This is Register Radio. We've been talking to John Bergsma about his new book, The Word of the Lord, Reflections on the Sunday Mass Readings for Year A. John, you mentioned that in a new liturgical year, we should be excited, okay? And and hearing you talk about this, I get excited because for me, part of my relationship with the Lord that has grown since I was a, a, a young teenager, really, a, a preteen, um, happened because of the scriptures. I, I read a, a picture Bible. It was like a comic strip style Bible that was given to me around that time, and I read it from cover to cover. And it really touched my heart and drew me into the Word of God. I, I think that's a special privilege that I had. And not, not everybody gets drawn in at a young age to Scripture. And, of course, that was over the years fostered and, and through formation and things like that. But I've heard from many people that they don't know how to pray with the Scriptures. <laughs> um, that right. they, don't, they, don't, they go to Mass and they hear them, but they don't know what to do with that at home. How can you help right. with this? Absolutely. Yeah, I can so relate, Jeanette. My mother started me reading the Bible through in a year, January through December, Genesis through Revelation, when I was about 12 years old, and I kept that up as a devotional practice all through my adolescence and through college, etc. And so that, you know, obviously contributed to my vocation as a Scripture scholar. I love the Scriptures, but I know that not everybody, you know, is raised in a home where they are uh, emphasized like they were, like I was privileged to experience and so, Jeanette, I've actually written a book called Bible Basics for Catholics, and if folks have, you know, don't feel like they're comfortable with the Bible, I would actually recommend starting there. You mentioned cartoons. Um, I do little stick figures in my book uh, that teaches the story of the Bible, and I think it's the easiest way to kind of get initiated. And then I have follow-up books as well, New Testament Basics, Psalm Basics, um, to help people get in. And then, you know, after kind of getting introduced to the Bible, you know, you really have to have a picture of the biblical storyline. That helps a lot to appreciate uh, the Sunday Mass readings. Um, and then the book we're talking about today, The Word of the Lord, Year A, is kind of a next step where after you have kind of a big picture of the Bible, it does a deep dive on uh, each of the readings for um, the Sunday Mass and then points out how they're interconnected. Because I know how it is. We go to Mass, maybe we've got our kids with us, they're scrambling around in the pew, we get distracted, we're thinking, oh, I've got a pot roast in the oven at home, is it, <laughs> it going to get burnt? All that kind of stuff. So it's, it's hard to get all the richness that's there, but, you know, maybe, you know, if we could take aside 15 minutes, a half hour, Sunday uh, afternoon, or even, like I said, the night before, to read those readings and, and meditate, um, what this book does is really takes us into the background so that we can understand, you know, who is the prophet Malachi, if we've got a reading from Malachi, for example, or where is this psalm coming from? This psalm seems to come out of the blue and tells us to praise the Lord, etc., but where is that coming from, and how is it connected with the other readings? There is always uh, a wonderful set of interlinks between the readings, and like a, like a chef who knows how to pair you know, the right wine with the, with the right dish. Um, Holy Mother Church knows how to pair the right readings with one another, and it just takes a, a little bit of work and experience to point this out, but we can really come to appreciate the savers of these, uh, of these different scriptures that we have each week. You know, being in Louisiana, right outside of New Orleans, I love all of these food references. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. 
You know, um, John, it's not ideal, but on the way to church, I um, read the scriptures to my kids who are young, eight, eight, four, and six, and mm. and it's amazing um, that the four-year-old sometimes in mass while he's piddling and playing, you know, uh, quietly, of course, <laughs> um, will say, hey, mom, we just read that. Um, so he's listening, you know, and I think right. there's no better way than to start him young um, in, in this listening. But we've also read through, you know, a graphics Bible and things like that. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the historical timeline is important. So, you know, you're talking about um, providing that context, that historical context. It's, a, it's an actual story of things that happened. Um, but there's mm-hmm. also the mystical element of it, too. And, and it just awakens their little minds and our own to that reality uh, that is there packed into Scripture. Um, you, you talk about the beauty of, of Holy Mother Church and our U.S. bishops are going through a, a Eucharistic or, or leading us in a Eucharistic revival. And, you know, as I've tried to enter into the Bible with my kids, I think we need a, a biblical revival. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. Well, the two go go hand in hand, um, because the, the Bible, as I point out in my little book, Bible Basics for Catholics, the Bible is uh, the story of covenants that God offered to humanity through time. And what, what's a covenant? It's a family relationship sealed by an oath. And so God made many attempts to draw us into His family. As the Fourth Eucharistic Prayer says, time and again He offered them covenants, and through the prophets taught them to hope for salvation. And that's basically the story of the Bible mm-hmm. leading up to the great covenant, the great family relationship, which is Jesus and especially His Eucharistic presence. You know, there at the in the upper room, He refers to His Eucharistic blood, and He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood that had been promised for 700 years. Um, that was the fulfillment of all these family relationships, all these covenants, starting with Adam and then Noah and Abraham, Moses, etc., all through the storyline of Scripture, and it all comes to fruition in uh, the Eucharist. And so, you know, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth once said, if you don't understand the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, you have not understood Scripture. And that's so true. The Scripture all leads up to experiencing Christ in the Eucharist, because that is the New Covenant. That was what was promised by the prophets for so many hundreds of years. So the Scriptures are a menu that point to a meal. And if we call ourselves Christians, but all we're doing is studying the menu, then we're like people that go to the Chinese restaurant, look at the whole menu all over, and never order General Tso's chicken. It would be like, what would be the point of that, you know? So we need to appreciate how the Scriptures lead to the sacraments, and how, in a very real sense, when we take the sacraments, baptism, Eucharist, we're being drawn into the storyline, you know? Uh, We are being made present right there at Calvary when we take the Eucharist, and when we're baptized, we're made present, you know, at the crossing of the Red Sea and at our Lord's baptism and, and the other great, you know, types of baptism throughout salvation history all become part of our story when we receive the, the, um, the sacraments. The sacraments are how God draws us into, so to speak, the magic book, you know, the magic book being the Bible, but it's of course not magic, but it's supernatural, you know, the supernatural storyline of God with His people. You know, human literature is full of 
you know, of this motif of the magic book that draws you in. Think, think Narnia, for example. Right. But it's real. It's real. This sacraments draw us into the storyline of God's people. And so we can say with the Israelites, I was there at Mount Sinai. And we can say with the, with the Apostle John, I was there at Calvary. So we have to see the interrelationship between sacrament and Scripture, between the Eucharist and the Bible. And when we get that, it, it gives us so much more richness in our appreciation of both. Something to be excited about. You mentioned uh, right at the start of our conversation uh, that here we are on the, the doorstep of uh, Advent, uh, and there's a Word of the Lord Advent special that's available from the St. Paul Center. What exactly does that include? Yes, it's a free uh, four-week subscription to this half-hour videocast that myself and Dr. Scott Hahn do based on the Sunday readings. Uh, we kind of start from the jumping-off point of the, uh, the chapter that I've written in uh, the, these Word of the Lord books uh, on the Sunday readings. We kind of do an overview of, of uh, or a summary of what I've written there, and then and then the game begins, and it's back and forth, and Dr. Han and I, you know, playing off one another and, and d- delving, again, doing a deep dive into these different readings and discussing uh, the different senses and how they can be applied to our life. It's just a, a rollicking good time for about half an hour um, exploring the Scriptures together for the upcoming Advent Sunday. So there's so much more from Don Bergsma and Dr. Scott Hahn at the St. Paul Center uh, website, and that's at stpaulcenter.com. And there you can find this new book that we've been talking about, as well as the Advent series. John, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It is something to get excited about, and we're so grateful that you were on today. Absolutely. Thanks, Matthew and Jeanette. When we come back, Matthew and I will do a short editor's corner on the latest causes of saints approved by the U.S. bishops. This is Register Radio on EWTN. There's more when we return. Bishop James Conley talks about the National Catholic Register. I've been reading the Register for over 40 years, and I can tell people with absolute conviction that it's the best periodical out there. They're honest, they're true, and they give a great perspective. It's important to be able to have a news source like the National Catholic Register where we can go to and make sense and decipher what's going on around us. It also engages the imagination. If you really want to be an informed Catholic, you got to read the National Catholic Register. To get six free issues, order online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. While you're waiting on your first issue, be sure to enjoy our content online. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Teach us, good Lord, to serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the costs, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not ask for any reward, save that of knowing that we do your will. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register, and I'm joined by my co-host here on Register Radio, Matthew Bunsen. 
So Matthew, you were at the U.S. Bishops' uh, fall assembly uh, last week, and it was there that they approved causes for saints for three American women. Um, they These women included a mother a, a, who was a Catholic convert and who was considered a mystic. It also included a young uh, campus min- missionary, uh, focus missionary, that is. She struggled with cancer, and that's uh, what, what took her life. And then a religious sister uh, who ministered to the poor and African-American community. So really a, a, a different crew uh, this time, and all women, which was <laughs> which right. was very nice. Yeah, I think that that itself was very notable. A, a couple of things that immediately struck me uh, when this was placed on the agenda, that now for those who may not understand exactly why they do this, is that uh, for causes that are moving forward, especially that have just begun, which is really the case with these, mm-hmm. you want this sort of affirmation, uh, the, the plachette, so to speak, uh, of all of the U.S. bishops as a body saying, yes, these are significant causes uh, and we support this. That helps, I think, uh, in many ways to pave the road a little bit uh, for moving these causes forward uh, toward what everyone hopes would be their eventual uh, being declared venerable and then beatification and, God willing, canonization. The other thing that struck me, though, about all three, aside from the fact that they're three very notable women, is that all three are relatively new. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, the, the beautiful story, for example, of uh, uh, Mother Margaret Mary Healy Murphy, who died in 1907. Then we have Michelle Dupont, you were just talking about, who died in 2015, and Cora Evans, who died in 1957. So these are relative contemporaries. Certainly, Michelle Dupont is. Uh, reminds me a lot of Carlo Acutis, uh, the, the young boy who died, I think, in 2006. But there are also demonstrations, I think, of the, the fact that holiness is for everyone, but also holiness is not some ancient thing, that right. we are all called to be saints, but all three of these are relative contemporaries, that sanctity is possible in the modern world, contrary to everything that we hear every day. I think that's exactly right. That's what it does for me is that, you know, it, it really, it spoke to me loudly of that. I'll I'll talk a bit about Michelle Dupont because she's the one I know the most about. We had a, a lovely feature uh, written about her. Um, and, and we were able to do that because Patty Armstrong uh, is from North Dakota. Uh, there was an event uh, that opened her cause November 1st in Bismarck, and, and Patty was able to attend. Uh, that's where Michelle was from. Um, her parents were there with 500 other people in, in the congregation as this cause was open. And, and as you said, she died just in 2015. She died Christmas Day at the age of 31 after a battle with cancer. But she was a focused missionary, and, and in doing that, she touched so many people. And at that mass, well, first of all, at her funeral mass is when her parents started to realize the depth of impact uh, that this young woman had uh, on so many people. And people that day were calling her a saint, that she was a saint in their midst. Could you imagine being a parent and being told that? Um, and, and here you go, seven years later, her daughter, their daughter um, became uh, a servant of God. Uh, so that's just really tremendous and very much speaks of, of the reality that there are saints in our midst and that we are all called uh, to be saints. What do you know of Servant of God Cora Louise Evans? Yeah, uh, a convert, uh, raised a Mormon in Utah, as uh, many people are. Uh, what's striking about her is that really from her earliest age, and 
very earliest days, and we hear this about uh, great mystics, that she had a mystical encounter, an apparition of the Blessed Mother at the, at the age of three. So that tells you something right from the beginning that she was being called to something very special. And then uh, as uh, she grew up, she was uh, encountering uh, Catholicism, but the way that she did it, and, and this is a, a perfect uh, segue for what we're doing right now, she began listening to Catholic programs on the radio mm-hmm. while she was ill. And that led her, as often happens with Catholic radio, uh, to visit uh, the local Catholic parish, and she talked to the pastor there, uh, and she bombarded him with a lot of questions about the faith. And then, sure enough, within a year or so, she was baptized, and uh, her husband and daughters followed suit soon after. And it was as a result of that that um, we know that there were many converts from the Mormon faith to the Catholic faith, so much so that the family ultimately had to leave Utah and move to California because of the problems they were facing, especially her husband, uh, from people who just weren't very happy that the, they had left the Mormon faith and, and had taken so many people with her. And then, of course, the last saint, which is the oldest, over just over 100 years old, Mother Margaret Mary Healy Murphy, um, she uh, died as a sister, but she had been married, um, and her husband died, and it was uh, soon after that that she um, discerned a call um, to, to really serve African Americans. What more do you know of, of this uh, unusual saint? Yeah, it's uh, the classic case of uh, somebody who was born in Ireland uh, and uh, came to the United States uh, and spent some time in Mexico, as, as many of the Irish immigrants did, where she actually met her husband. Uh, and after his death, uh, as is often the case also with great saints who go on to establish religious communities, really she moved to San Antonio and then began hearing these calls to help the poor, the forgotten, especially in what was a time of great suffering after the Civil War, especially right. for African Americans. Yeah, and it was really, that was the inspiration that led her to begin the first of those uh, communities for women religious in Texas. So she's really someone I want the register to follow up on and, and to do a, a deeper dive. Um, she, her family had owned slaves. Um, and so um, hers is a remarkable story of, of just conversion and, um, and restitution in a way, you know, um, for, for uh, serving the African-American community. So there's a lot more to explore there. But you can go to ncregister.com and you can find the story of these saints. U.S. bishops advance three women transformed by God's love towards sainthood. And, of course, there's a lot more news analysis and commentary there at ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us on Register Radio here on EWTN. For Matthew Bunsen and our producer, Jeff Burson, I'm Jeanette DeMello. Until next week, God bless you and happy Advent. For more information about the National Catholic Register and about Register Radio, go to ncregister.com. Podcasts of Register Radio are posted on ncregister.com and on ewtn.com. Join us next week at this time for Register Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.